We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay with me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? No, we are not doing a part four of the BS Report, but the BS Report will still be back in this episode. Yes, you know, a typical uh, Jack and Nick fashion. We drop a podcast and a report comes out minutes later, but uh, that's how it kind of works for us. But as always, you can check out the Buzz on all streaming platforms, subscribe, share, review, whatever you can do. But Jack, where do you want to start? I think before Ben Simmons, Nick, we jump into Harry Giles, which is the news of the day. It's finally nice to, for news to actually happen before we record. So that, that was that's a nice little thing. But Chris Haynes has reported that Harry Giles III is making a comeback bid with the Nets on a one-year deal. No real news, <clears throat> excuse me, on what type of deal, but it seems more likely it's a two-way, do you believe, Nick? Yeah, I think it's, it could be a training camp deal, you know, one of those Exhibit 10 contracts and then, you know, non-guaranteed, maybe a little bonus or something like that and then turn into a two-way, you know, maybe a, a very small possibility of getting a real NBA contract. But I think a two-way is pretty likely given some of the news earlier in the offseason. You know, we had a report that Jason Jason Tatum advocated for, you know, players that have missed seasons with injury to still be eligible for two-way contracts. And that was specifically about Harry Giles. So, Hopefully, you know, it all works out and he can land that two-way spot and have a real opportunity to develop for the Nets and, you know, have some good luck with his health. Yeah, like he's only still only 25. So it sort of yeah. fits the mold of the signings that Sean Marks has made this offseason in terms of Lonnie Walker's age, in terms of Dennis Smith Jr.'s age, in terms of Trenton Watford's age. You know, guys around that sort of, you know, early to mid-20s that still have a, a little bit to prove. Non-tap potential. Plenty of untapped potential, and and you know if the Nets strike on two or three of those guys, you know that's that, that's a that's a home run. But you've alluded to this thing because we chatted about Harry Giles in a previous podcast. I don't know if we did actually. It might have been just me and you in the DMs, but it felt like we did on a podcast. Yeah, we did. You alluded, it, you alluded to you know Harry Giles being linked to the Nets back before the draft, before they took Jared Allen. So this is all almost like you know fate complete. It was meant to be. Yeah, if Sean Marks likes somebody, he typically might go after them again. You know, we've heard that multiple times as, you know, players he liked in the draft and signs later on. You know, you just look at Alan Crabb. You know, he signed him to that huge offer sheet, Portland match. He ended up for trading trading for him a year later. So I think, you know, he has a tendency to like a certain player and, you know, be persistent in terms of acquiring them. And Harry Giles is another one of those guys. And like you kind of alluded to, Jack, you know, if they can, land, you know, two of these guys, two of these 
low, low risk, you know, medium to high reward players can hit, that would be huge. You know, that would be a win for Marks because you're not signing any big contracts. It's all small deals. And if these guys can turn into role players or even, you know, potentially like good players off the bench, that would be huge for moving forward. You know, you're not expecting anyone to turn into an all-star superstar, just be a good role player for this team. And that's a win. Big time, big time win. And, you know, we'll see how it does pan out, but it, it feels like that they're at least one or two of those guys are going to hit. You know, I think that it, it might be worth having just a general discussion about the front court as it currently stands, Nick. And the power forwards on a set of position is as currently constructed with the roster Dorian Finney Smith, Trenton Watford, Darius Baisley, Noah Clowney, Nick Claxton, Darren Sharp, Patrick Gardner, Harry Giles. There's going to be a lot of competition for minutes there because you would say Nick Claxton and Dorian Finney Smith have their spots solidified. But when it comes to backup minutes and, and the minutes, you know, that are that are left over from those two, you know, you could, you know, roll the dice and say, look, we're looking for a bit of shooting. Let's go with some Trent of Watford. We're looking for a bit of athleticism uh, and, and 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 dunking and, and running the floor. We'll go with Darius Darius Baisley. We're looking for a, a bit of skill fluidity, uh, a bit of experience that Harry Giles have. We'll go with Harry and, and he could play a bit at the five. It, there's a, a lot of competition there. And I think competition should hopefully bring out the best of, of all of those guys yeah hopefully you get the best including dayron too you know he's fighting for minutes you know he provides a different different skill set with his physicality and size like you mentioned you know cam johnson will probably see some minutes at the four as well you know vaughn likes to go small so it's going to be a lot of competition for some of these minutes and you know hopefully it forces these guys to adapt a little bit and do the small things on the floor you know you know with a lot of nba players it's kind of just finding the right role and a coach or team utilizing your skill set. You know, maybe this is the place that Darius Baisley hits. You know, maybe everything kind of clicks for him here. Or maybe Watford looks really good, you know, has a chemistry with some of these players because his skill set's a little bit different. So it's going to be fun to watch and see what different lineups are successful for this Nets team and who works well with who. You know, how can they utilize, you know, some of these different players? You know, we're going to talk about Ben Simmons and, you know, how he doesn't ideally fit with Nick Claxton well, what bench big fits well with Ben Simmons? Yeah, it's something I guess I've, I've wanted to well, obviously dive pretty deep into this when it comes to, we're going to have probably the, the longest episode when it comes to, to the bigs position, it might feel yeah. like, Nick, but a little bit of a, a sneak peek of that. How would you currently go with it? Because we sort of alluded to just there, you know, Ben Simmons will get to him in a little bit. He sees himself as a point guard, but obviously because of his size, he needs a, a spacing big. But Claxon DFS have got those 30 plus minutes solidified. Who gets the other 15, 20 as, as of now? Or is it matchup dependent? Is it not something you can necessarily say is set in stone just yet? Yeah, I think it's probably not set in stone just yet. I think you're going to see guys compete. And, you know, it's also like some of these guys are so young, you know, what steps do they take over the summer? You know, where do they improve their game? You know, Watford, if he comes more consistent from three and shoots a higher volume, you know, that's easy to see his fit because of the other things he does on the floor and how that could benefit Ben Simmons. You know, Darius Baisley, does he finally become a consistent three-point shooter? Does Dayron Sharp finally develop that three-point shot? I think, you know, Ideally, you want to have three-point shooting next to Ben. That's just really, at the end of the day, the way that he's the most successful player on the floor. If he gets back to being 100% healthy, you want to utilize him and let him excel, and it's going to happen with three-point shooting. And maybe it's none of those guys, and maybe it's Dorian Finney-Smith at the five and you know playing other somewhat big players at the forward position. I'm not sure. It's kind of just how it all gels and these guys develop and what Vaughn and the coaching staff sees in them. And you know, as we've talked about a lot this summer, the coaching staff is designed to help players improve. It's a player development coaching staff.
Yeah, I think you're going to have two of the three. This is a discussion. It's a fun discussion to sort of have just in, in the preliminary sort of points. But DFS, DFS, Cam, and Royce. There has to be two of those three, I think, aligned with Ben Simmons and his minutes just because of the, the three-point shooting that they can provide. You know, obviously, DFS had you know, a, a down year, but we heard of the the sort of hand injury that he was sort of going through, you know, Royce can be a little bit streaky, but I just still think you just get the best three point shooting, put it next to Ben Simmons. Obviously you, you want to align it with Mikel quite a bit too, because you know, that Ben Simmons playmaking is going to be good for that. So I think as you alluded to, but in yeah, general, and Cam, Nick, Jack, just to touch on that real quick, are the best three point shooters on this team. You know, Lonnie Walker had some success last year, but still not super consistent in his NBA career. You know, Cam Thomas improved last year, but the volume wasn't necessarily there. You know, Armani Brooks on the two-way contract is probably maybe the third best shooter on this team, you could argue. It's going to yeah. be interesting to see who really has a good season from three because that's going to be huge on so many different levels, not just for Ben Simmons, but the entire team. Spacing is one of the most important aspects of an NBA game this, you know, this point in time. Yeah, well, it's going to be some fun previews coming up forward. But, you know, just to sort of put a pin on the Harry Giles discussion, Nick, Doug Noe of Locked On Nets put out a, a tweet, you know, alluding to the Nets, essentially the that's wingspans rather than the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets wingspans. You know, Harry Giles was seven point seven foot three. Also, Noah Clowney seven foot three. Trenton Watford at seven two. Nick Clax is seven two. Mikhail Bridges seven one. That dude is insane. <laughs> ben Simmons seven foot and Dorian Finney Smith seven foot. So there's gonna be some athleticism out there. There's gonna be some long arms. Let's put it that way. Yeah, really long arms. And obviously, you know, end the Harry Giles discussion. It's, you know, hopefully he's able to stay healthy through camp and can get back to some of the promise we saw, you know, early on in his career and really what we saw in high school. You know, the two ACL injuries took a toll on him being out of the league, just always constantly being banged up. Health is arguably the most important aspect for him to develop into an NBA player. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Big time, big time. Now, Nick, we'll jump into the BS Report part four within <laughs> this podcast because 
I just wish Ben's management could have let us know because we're yeah. doing the big series and we're giving him a, a heap of a heap of credit during this offseason. Would have been nice if he had an interview with us, but he had an interview with Mark Spears at Bandscape and at ESPN. And there are plenty of takeaways from this interview, from this QA. You know, for me, probably the big one is that he wants to play for the Boomers. You know, the Boomers last night uh, bungled out of FIBA thanks to Luka Doncic and Slovenia. And, you know, hopefully Paris 2024 does feature Ben Simmons, as he alludes to. And this is maybe a discussion I'll do on a, a Patreon podcast. But in terms of the other takeaways, Nick, you know, there were plenty from this. A, a, a wide-ranging Q&A with Mark Spears, who's also, funnily enough, had a, a wide-ranging interview with Kevin Durant, I think 12 to 24 months ago as well. So Mark Spears gets these really, really exclusive sort of interviews and sit-downs. What did you take away from this? There's probably a discussion we can do maybe for the rest of this podcast about this interview because there's plenty to discuss. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway for me was Ben saying that he probably shouldn't have played last season, you know, that he wasn't healthy and shouldn't have been back on the floor. And obviously that's contradicting to some of the things he said prior to last season, during last season. And that kind of is where it gets confusing with Ben, you know, and that's where it's like you have, you know, you just don't know what what's actually true, because sometimes it feels like he's saying you know, what everyone wants him to say rather than the truth. And hopefully, you know, this summer he was able to get everything right mentally, physically, and really focus on basketball. And it seems like his desire to be great is a little bit more there. You know, you see him talking in a little bit different way, a little bit more confident, and he even mentioned, you know, dominating, you know, last year's version of himself. So it seems like he was upset with what happened last year in terms of his play. And also the fact is that he went out there without being 100% healthy and ready to go. Yeah, I went with on the Google Doc for for our podcast. You know, will Ben Simmons dominate people again? Because that seemed to be the headline that everyone went with. That you know, not Stephen A. Smith. I'm not going to ask <laughs> you that question, Nick. We'll, we provide a bit, bit more nuance in this podcast. But oh yeah, I, I thought that it was. Look, it's 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 how much do you read into it, and what do you take away from it? As you alluded to, you know, Ben saying you know his health wasn't there. We got a bit more about the game four sort of stuff with the Boston Celtics and, you know, a, a bit more behind the scene. It's just, and you know, even and Mark Spears, Spears asked him, him, he was like, why didn't you, you know, say uh, these yeah. things when it happened? Yeah. And, and look, you know, sometimes he's his own worst enemy. Sometimes he's his own best friend, but we also did see, I think someone posted might've been next kingdom, someone on, on Nets Twitter, Ben is back in, in New York now. Yep. You know, he posted something on Instagram. So he seems to be realigning with that. Maybe that's the next step towards his uh, recovery and his rehab, because we heard that it was two on twos. If I'm yep. not mistaken, yep. Nick was, is what the, the space that he was in as of the point of this interview Yep. Now, obviously, that isn't three on threes, five on fives, which are essentially when you are ready to go basketball wise. So, hopefully, that is coming sooner rather than later. As of you know, the start of spring, September one, September two, Ben hasn't done those things yet. Maybe he is doing those things yet. Maybe he's doing it, you know, at the training center. We'll have to wait and see. You know, obviously, Ben posts a little bit. He posts sometimes. He posts nothing. We get these interviews. So, I think that was one thing that I did take away from it is the the semblance of where he is at in his recovery, because that's something that we've wanted to know quite a bit. So to hear that, whenever this interview was conducted, maybe this interview was conducted a couple of weeks ago, and maybe he's moved forward from that. And also to hear him talk about you know, his physical space and how he feels physically, because we asked a big question, like in our last episode of the BS Report Part 3, it was like, how is he going to be mentally? How is he going to be physically? <laughs> Mark Spears essentially asked him both of those questions. He didn't give a lot when it came to the sort of mental side of things. He's sort of just like, you know, I'll take care of myself. I'll move forward. But physically, he sort of was pretty illuminating in terms of, 
where his back's at, where his knees at, all those different things. You know what his routine is in terms of building himself up and and getting himself ready. So there seems to be, as you alluded to, a level of commitment, but also at the same time, it's just like we hear so many good things from Ben that you know we all just buy in. We you know we're on Ben Simmons Island, the Ben Ten, uh, the Ben Ten report. It's just we're, we're all in on it. But then you know once the, the season comes, it sort of moves back to square one. We also heard him speak about you know being having building a stronger rapport with Jacques Vaughn. We heard him speak about the fact that he's going to be the starting point guard. Like there was just so many things that it's just like we could do like an entire episode about specific quotes but i think as i alluded to nick i thought i was jumping the gun on the last episode because i remember seeing some of him like wait ben wants to be point guard like that i thought that was something and that was like in july or something and now we're hearing him say that directly clearly you know his role in brooklyn where he's been the sort of small ball five for for large portions isn't something that suits him or something he wants to do whether that was a a quote that he's just like, you know, I'm going to put this out there and put the pressure on Jacques Vaughn and the coaching staff, or whether it was, you know, him, you know, obviously being in regular consultation, which it seems more likely, but that was something as well that sort of stuck out to me too, Nick. Yeah, I think the Vaughn thing is huge, you know, and obviously him wanting to play point guard. I don't think uh, he said anything about being a starter or Vaughn saying a starter. I think, you know, just point guard in general, you know, he could be the backup guy. He just wants to kind of run the show while he's out there. But I did think the Vaughn stuff was very interesting. Talked about how, you know, their relationship was pretty much terrible last season because there was a disconnect. You know, there was a level of frustration from both sides. You know, Vaughn not knowing what's going on with Ben, Ben not necessarily getting communication. He even mentioned that, you know, the team not really knowing what to do with him in the spot he was at, you know, if they should shut him down, let him rehab. Obviously, ultimately he ended up being shut down for the season. So hopefully having a better relationship with Jacques Vaughn could be important for him. And I think it's also something that could help his confidence going into the season. Yeah. I think ultimately if Ben just wasn't right, you could have just been like to Jacques, send a text, have a bit of a FaceTime, go into his office for five minutes. Hey mate, my body is like crumbling right now i can you know he said things like this like daily things waking up standing up getting out of bed that was a struggle because i was in pain usually sitting down for too long i would get tightness like why not just like say those things just straight up to sean marks or jacques vaughn that's just like man this guy like needs like some genuine intensive rehab but you know as he stands right now you know we got the the quote before that how would you say this is a question from mark spears how would you say your health is at this point how is your back and then he said i don't think people have realized how it was in terms of physically how I was feeling and what I was able to do on the floor. Being able to sit down now, not have to lean or slouch in one way, it's kind of crazy for me. But I feel I'm at 100% right now. Right now, I'm just building back to where I'm playing. I haven't played in a while, just taking hits and getting my body used to that. Now, look, obviously people will look, oh, I'm at 100% now. But for me, I read more into I'm building back to where I'm playing. I haven't played in a while, just taking hits and getting my body used to that that's something where it's more like, okay, Ben is not a hundred percent. Like that's more of like 75, 80%, but yeah, it's at least, you know, moving forward, which is the positive thing. Yeah. Kind of like we talked about on part three of the Ben Simmons series is the fact is, you know, Ben was, is probably a hundred percent healthy for a normal human, you know, a day to day, someone who's not a professional athlete, but he's not at professional athlete, 100% healthy, you know, not springy, not super flexible, not, you know, able to deal with contact, you know, someone might, you know, take a bad step and be injured. You know, NBA players get contact, fall in the weirdest ways, and they're still good to go, you know, and that's what you have to get back to. And, you know, him, you know, you talking about him being stiff, not able to kind of sit for long periods of the time, having to lean, having to slouch, whatever it is, you know, that's just 
not something you want to hear about an NBA player, especially someone who's known for being super athletic and moving really well at his size. You know, he's a guy that was 6'11", 6'10", moving like a guard at times and just showing an elite level athleticism. And you just, you know, can't do that if your back is super stiff. You know, that's arguably the one of the most important parts of your body when it comes to flexibility and, you know, dynamic movements. Yeah, and then obviously it affected, you know, his legs as well because yeah. this is more on the, the the sort of physical issues that he went through. And I take this with a bit more detail. I, I like this one. He said, we had a few tests done. I had herniated left and right side of my back, which is why I wasn't able to put muscle onto my right leg or do anything like that and play the way I usually know how to play. And then took this summer to just really focus on that, get the right people around me, surround myself with people that were just going to help me get to the right place. This is the best I've felt in like two years. So to be honest, if your back is herniated on both sides, like that is really bad. You know, most people herniate their back. It's usually one side. Like that's usually you're getting an issue, but the fact is he's herniating both sides. It's impacting his nerves, which is impacting his legs and his ability to move. So he's not only feeling stiff because of the back pain, he's actually feeling stiff because of nerve pain and different things in his body. So like the, when I read that, I was like, yo, his, his back was screwed. And I'm also like surprised that they let him get back on the court because usually when it's herniated, if you're not alleviating, you know, the swelling and the pressure, it's just going to kind of continue to get worse. It's like kind of a, a sponge being squeezed between two bones and it's getting pushed outward. And what you're doing on rehab is trying to get the swelling down and get it back under there without it being squeezed. And if it's not right and you continue to play on it, it's just kind of going to get worse. And that's kind of what we saw last season. Yeah, I think that the fact that he played, you know, was... You know, a, a fault of his, a fault of everyone in the Nets organization, a yeah. fault of just all the people involved. Because Whoever I think saw ben, the MRI and let him play is kind of crazy. Yeah, or or maybe he didn't even provide the MRIs, Nick. Yeah. A part of me, because of Ben Simmons, the nature of his personality can be one way or the other. He can be like right out there, full confidence. I'm going to like tap myself up, say all the right things, like he's doing here, like he's on the JJ Ready podcast, like he did the introductory presser, or he can be you know incognito mode like sort of like completely introverted and disconnected and that could be to due to like some mental health stuff that could be due to like you know the 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 rapport that he hadn't built yet with the nets organization sean marks jacques vaughn his teammates he spoke about the Kyrie Kyrie kd thing we're not going to really get into that but i think that a lot of a multitude of factors affected each other and i think that everything got lost in translation and ben didn't help himself but i don't think he was helped either more on the physical stuff because i think this is the important thing to you know because we spoke about the mind body connection and and how those things are going to take care of themselves he said is uh your body different in terms of strength he said way stronger the strongest i've been physically in terms of like moving weight this is the strongest my core has ever been so these days i can't not do core core is going to be a part of my everyday life knee lead, knee loading is another thing i do strengthening my legs and then it helps with my back too training my back and there's just different exercises every night pilates every day doing a lot of core exercises that's the biggest thing, being in tune with my body. Everything feels easier. When I was younger, I was in tune. It was just programmed. You do things naturally. You don't think about it twice. Now doing these little things every day, my body is in tune the right way to use everything. So it's exciting. That is, that's the most exciting quote, I think, from the whole piece, Nick. Yeah, I think it's important. And also kind of you think about it, it's like, Ben, why weren't you doing these things after your first back injury in Philadelphia? You know, and also why weren't people around him telling, you know, like usually typically when you have a back injury, 
your workout routine is going to change. You know, you're focusing more, like you mentioned, on stretching, on core exercises to kind of alleviate some of the pressure in the back and not put yourself in a bad position because it's so easy to re-aggravate the injury. So it's good to see that he has the right mindset and understands that it's not necessarily going to be a simple thing. You know, it's going to be something he has to deal with every single day to make sure he's right to be a professional athlete at the highest level. Definitely. Uh, a couple more, Nick, you know, the the question from Mark Spears, I hear swag, I hear confidence in you that I haven't heard in a while. Am I wrong in that? He responded, I put so much work in, I know where I'm at. Give me another month until training camp. I'm blessed to have that time. I feel I'm going to have less time, but I'm using each day as an opportunity to get better. There's no other option. People ask me, there's no other option. I have to kill. That's all I can do. So there is that little bit of, you know, sort of, I wouldn't call it swagger, but quiet confidence, which I prefer than sort of just like, the bombastic you know sort of saying all the right things you're just you know not saying too much and sort of letting the actions do the speaking is is what i get from that nick yeah i think it would be great you know if he really is that confident obviously we'll have to wait to see him on the floor but putting in the work and you know feeling like you have a good plan and it felt like last year he didn't think the plan was great makes a huge difference you know if you're kind of you know, working on something and you don't feel like the plan's going to work, you don't necessarily put in the same level of effort or focus. And it just feels like his mindset is in the right place based off of this interview. We won't know, you know, if that's actually the truth until we see it on the court. Again, like, I still think, you know, at the end of the day, my expectations for Ben is just like, let me see it on the floor. I love all the great things in an interview, but it's not the first time that this has happened. Yeah, the final thing I want to get to, Nick, is, and and, and look, I think as well, the thing that I'm going to be watching for most in the preseason is Ben Simmons. You know, I think that we know what we're going to get out of Mikhail. We know what we can get out of Cam. You know, Clax's improvement, Cam Thomas's improvement are two other things that I'll certainly be looking for, as well as Mikhail and Cam, what they've taken from Team USA at FIBA. But I think Ben Simmons is is going to have the spotlight on him, at least from us Nets fans in, in, the, in the preseason. We'll be analyzing his every move. And, you know, it, it's because, you know, we want to see what the best of him can produce. And hopefully it is in the black and white. But on the point guard discussion that we did have, he was pretty sort of, you know, to the point, you know, when he was asked of the position that he'll play for the Nets next season after playing, and he said, point guard, that's who I am. And then when he was followed up with that, he said, why are you best at the point guard position? He said, because I facilitate the ball well. I make the right decisions most of the time. I'm confident with it. I'm going to make the right decision when I get the ball, make the right passes. I'm able to dictate the game really well. That's that need to jump super high or be super strong. Regardless, I'm going to be able to see the game well. And he said that Coach Vaughn has communicated that to him as well. He said that they've spoken about that. So those are some things in terms of the X's and O's and the on-court stuff when Ben is healthy is something to sort of look for. Yeah, I think, you know, dictating the floor and kind of facilitating and setting people up, you know, needs to be a player that can create an advantage. You know, if he's healthy and get downhill and break down his man and, you know, collapse the paint, that's going to make a big difference. And if he's a threat to score, you know, I think that all kind of comes with the health. So that's great. He wants to play point guard, but for him to be impactful at the point guard position, he's going to have to be healthy and, you know, playing with confidence and really just being an offensive threat to some level, you know, he's not going to be a Kevin Durant, but he has to be at least solid up to like a Spencer Dinwiddie level. Yeah. Are you LeBron, Giannis, Spencer, or are you a tall Rajan Rondo? Like that, those are the sort of differences in, 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 in the I mean, outcomes. At this point, we... We'd love to see a tall Rajon Rondo compared to what we saw last year. Yeah. I got to give me Chicago TNT Rajon Rondo <laughs> as Ben Simmons. And, and I'll take that any day of the week, but yeah, I think we'll have plenty more discussions. The BS report is officially back. 
No sponsors just yet. Maybe we'll get Anscape involved. Maybe Mark Spears can uh, sponsor us individually, Nick. But I've got a couple more things to throw at you, Nick, and probably don't have to dive into all of these different topics here. You know, there's some Cam Thomas stuff. There's some, you know, Clacks and Spencer Dimity extension stuff. And there's some Nets hot takes that were doing their rounds on Twitter. What do you sort of want to dive into? Uh, we could start with the Cam one. I feel like we haven't talked about Cam in a while. Cam Thomas it is, Nick. Now, he was, uh, I, I love Cam, and he's been, he said that he had averaged as an NBA starter, 25, 25, no doubt, easy. This is from, you know, early to sort of mid-August when he was speaking to a Zach Shoemaker of the Shoes show. I think that's what it's called. Um, And, you know, Cam gave a little bit away, but in that, we've spoken about plenty of other players on, on this podcast, and we haven't brought cam thomas to the fore of our discussion very much now i didn't need you to tell me if cam thomas would average 25 points as a go-to guy we sort of essentially saw that in summer league you know as a go-to guy he was a summer league mvp but what do you think of cam thomas's role heading forward you know i put something out on i'm not gonna say i'll put something out on twitter no i'm not calling it x i put something out on twitter <laughs> the other day saying that He's one of them. His development is the, one of the more exciting things I'm looking for this season, alongside Clacks, uh, alongside Mikael Bridges, and to a lesser extent, seeing what happens with Ben too. But what are you looking for from Cam Thomas? What are your expectations? Obviously, you don't have to give too much away because we're diving deep into the uh, previous series uh, with the guards and such. But how, what are your thoughts on Cam Thomas as they stand right now? Yeah, I thought I liked the interview. I thought he had a, a lot of good answers, and you know. You even saw maybe a level of maturity, and I think that's important for Cam. He's such a young guy, kind of getting your your head straight for the NBA. It's such a tough business and kind of understanding what he needs to do. And I think we're going to see growth from Cam in other areas of his game this year. I'm not saying drastic growth, but just enough that you can notice, you know, he's looking maybe to play make a little bit more, a little bit better understanding of some of his defensive assignments and making some of those, you know, team oriented plays. And I think his role ideally will be, you know, someone coming off the bench and playing a good chunk of minutes. And I think you'll find games where he's probably closing for the Nets because he can provide such an offensive threat. If he can get the okay from Jacques Vaughn, the coaching staff on you know, his, uh, the other aspects of his game for the most part, he's very good at scoring. And I think another area maybe where he can just substantially, you know, not substantially, but make minor improvements on the offensive end is just kind of his shot diet at times. We know you can hit the tough shots, but it's just something that's not sustainable for long periods of time, no matter how good you are, you know, even Kyrie and Katie understand that like at times you have to find, you know, free throws, shots in the paint, open threes or whatever it is. And I think the more, the longer he's in the NBA, the more he works with the staff, the better understanding he's going to have of the NBA game. Yeah, he obviously has the bag of a three-level scorer. It's the nature of that three-level scoring that yep. you're sort of alluding to in terms of the shot diet. When those shots are taken, are those shots the best shots given? He might have open teammates. He might have, you know, a big man rolling to the rim. But I think Start that- easy and work to hard. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, the games that you know I spoke about with Mikael Bridges that left me the most enthused and the reason why I'm so high on him is because that guy gets to the line at will. Like, and, and Cam Thomas can do that as well. He did that in college. He did that a lot at Summer League. And when he looks his best, he can be a, you know, a crafty sort of Chris Pauly guy, get to the line, earn the contact. He is strong. And you sort of alluded to the defense a little bit too there, Nick. You know, he's not He's obviously not like a great lateral athlete, but he's got size at the guard position. So at the very least, you know, don't expect him to be maybe like James Harden in the post, but just like a bigger guard has, you know, a certain in terms of their frame, you know, 
tendencies to still impact the game in, in certain ways. So I think he can be maybe not like a Trey Young level of defender, but you know, somewhere to just semi below average would be a big jump for him. So it will be the weaknesses and the deficiency, so-called deficiencies in his game that we'll be looking at because the defense isn't something I'm going to be looking for, like Cam Thomas averaging like a, a steal a game, but I'll be looking to see what he does as a playmaker and how he gets his teammates open, which is what Mikael Bridges said he's going to be working on this off season too, because a lot of these guys aren't natural playmakers like Ben Simmons and Spencer Dinwiddie are, but the team is going to be better when everyone is contributing rather than sort of Cam and Mikhail sort of doing their ISO ball thing. Those guys aren't KD and Kyrie and they can't be efficient at that level. Maybe they can, but in saying that, I'd rather the team be better and everyone else get their own and Cam chip in when need be. So I'm excited for Cam Thomas. Killer Cam, I'm hoping for a big season from him. Yeah, I think the Nets need to have, you know, multiple threats on the floor at all times. You know, I can't, you know, obviously one guy is going to be, you know, the the key cog, the number one option, but option two, three, and even four have to be threats. You know, you can have one guy who can sit in the corner, just be a dunker, not really get a ton of touches offensively, but there has to be four other guys that can do things offensively on the floor. And that's, you know, score, pass, dribble, and just understand what the assignment is of everyone on the floor and how they can have a positive impact. And just touching quickly on Cam, I don't expect him to be a great defender. I just want him to understand where he needs to be as a team defender, because at times that's been some of his biggest issues is, you know, not understanding rotations or someone switches and he's the guy that doesn't switch. And, you know, two guys on one offensive player, you know, things like that, just the small details and just being in the right spot and being okay defensively or even slightly below average, just not bad. Yeah, especially when we have so many other really, really good yeah, defenders out there. Yeah, he just has to be okay. Yeah, he only has to be, you know, like Ja Morant. You know, when Ja Morant plays for the Memphis Grizzlies, they have an incredible defensive team. And, you know, it obviously Ja's probably got way more athleticism and does have way more athleticism. But, yeah, that's a, a discussion we'll certainly be looking for in Cam Thomas in the early games the next season as well as the preseason. But, Nick, I want to finish off with the fun sort of segment because I think, uh, Brooklyn Nets 85 on, on, on Twitter brought this one up about throwing out some Nets hot takes for the upcoming season. And I mean, maybe we'll bring this uh, into the, our season preview as well and throw a few more out here. But give me one. I, I might start things off. I'm not sure if you thought about yeah, start, it. Start, start, start us off, Jack. I have one in the chamber. Now, this is one that I don't think is going to come true, but I'll throw it out there. Why not? The Nets are going to have a better record than their crosstown rivals, the New York Knicks, over the 82-game season. I'm throwing it out there, Nick. We're taking down the blue and orange. The black and white is reigning supreme in New York. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely spicy. I think, obviously, the Knicks are a little bit more proven, had a successful year last year. But, you know, one injury or, you know, some bad stretches from them, the Nets getting hot, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I don't think the Knicks will be you know, 10 games better, you know, they might be, you know, five or six if the Nets are able to kind of play up to their level. Uh, I think a hot take for me is, you know, Nick Claxton is going to continue to make strides forward and he will be in all-star contention. You know, he's not going to probably land the spot, but I think he'll be contending for that spot. And I think when discussing the Nets, you'll refer to him as their second best player somewhat easily. Oh, I like that. And that's the spice that I like. It's at like the start of the Hot Ones episode where there's like <laughs> a bit of lemon pepper and stuff because, you know, Clack City is, we are the foundational owners and, and, and town planners of Clack City, you and I. And I think it, we've seen a lot of like irrational Clack's takes in terms of the, 
the lack of credibility that they've been given our guy in the offseason, basically ever since Katie and Kyrie departed. And yep. look, we're seeing positive momentum from him. You know, I've thrown things out there in terms of him earning a big contract. He already was in the all-star conversation last year, you know, finished, I think, ninth and at one point in the, the front court center sort of voting. So Clack City is alive and well. Hopefully it continues to grow and expand. And, you know, I'll be all a part of that. I don't think that's hot at all, Nick. I think it's actually quite mild and I will happily uh, digest that take and consume it. And I think another take I'll just throw out there, Jack, I think by the end of next season, the Nets will have a good idea who their point guard will be for the following season. And that doesn't necessarily, and I actually, I shouldn't say point guard, I should say lead guard. You know, they'll have an idea of, you know, is Spencer doing a guy we're going to keep rolling with? Did Cam Thomas take a stride? Or is there very strong rumblings that a Donovan Mitchell wants to come to Brooklyn? You know, I think kind of similar to what we saw at the end of the 18-19 season for the Nets after the playoffs, you know, the Kyrie rumors really started to pick up and that became a lock. I think by the end of this season, we'll have a really good idea about a star player wanting to come to Brooklyn. You know, obviously last year was pretty close with Damian Lillard. You know, maybe it's Trey Young, maybe it's Donovan Mitchell, maybe it's somebody on the team, or maybe there's a surprise candidate. Maybe it's Anthony Edwards, Nick. <laughs> Don't dream too big, Jack. <laughs> oh, Nick, we, we let's bring back the Dream Targets episode and let's just like go for another 40 minutes on that again. That was the most fun episode I've ever done. Check that one out, guys. That was, that was a, a lot of fun. Obviously, a lot of those aren't going to happen. Maybe it's Tyrese Halliburton. It's not going to be Tyrese Halliburton, maybe but it could be. Ball. Maybe it's LaMelo Ball. But, but in, in all honesty, I think that there is a chance, Nick. You know, I think... The, the heat on a Donovan Mitchell sort of trade, the heat on Anthony Edwards and Luke Doncic, all these sort of guys, you know, where there's smoke, you know, the smoke, it's not that high. It's not, you know, very voluminous, but there's a bit of fire. There's a bit of fire there. So look, I'd love to have Donovan Mitchell, Anthony Edwards, especially. I think that would be prime target number one, Luka Doncic, 1B. But in saying that, Donovan Mitchell would not hate him in a Nets uniform. You know, New York sort of native. Uh, should have been probably on the New York Knicks. But in saying that, he'd look in the black and white. So we'll see. If you guys got some spicy takes for us, throw us in the DMs. We can discuss them on, on future episodes. We'll be getting into the preview series going forward. The season is, you know, it's a couple of months away. We'll get into preseason stuff, training camp stuff. There'll be plenty of us to digest. And it's uh, it's a fun times uh, in Buzzworld. Yeah, it's starting to heat up. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms.